0: church. How are you today? Come on, put your hands together. If you're feeling good, you're glad to be at church. I'm proud of you. You came in the rain, man. I'll tell you what, you're hardcore. You're my people. I love it. I love it. So welcome to church. If you're a guest with us, you're our people too. And so we're just glad you're with us. All of you. So God bless you. Um, Bailey mentioned Dr. Martin Luther King and, um, it just reminded me of a book I read on him a few years ago, and uh, when I read that, he became one of my heroes because uh, so many things about his life are just astounding. Uh, he was an incredible father and husband. He was, uh, you know, the 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 civil rights leader ever, the greatest ever. Um, he was a pastor. Um, he had a he had courage and boldness like nobody you've ever seen you know and um, and so I was just reminded of that when Bailey prayed and so i uh, I remember I marked him as a hero of mine and and I've often said Lord you know in times of of difficulty and, and I can't even relate to his difficulties but whatever difficulties I face God give me his kind of courage and his kind of boldness to to face it and to and to lead my life through that but um, uh, so just worthy of, of mentioning him on Dr. Martin Luther King uh, weekend and what a great man of God he was. And so um, let's just um, give thanks to God for heroes in our life and those that have made a difference and pray that uh, the, the work that he begun is continued and, and, um, and there's even more and more unity in our nation. And, and so we pray for all of that. Um, hey, I want to uh, continue our series. We started last week, if you're with us, we, we began 21 Days of Praying Together. It's a church-wide prayer movement and hopefully inspiring you to pray for 21 minutes For 21 days in the morning and to spend some time seeking God, we believe that when we seek God in prayer and in his word, that it strengthens us. And we like to do it at the beginning of the year, just believing that as we seek him first, that he'll bless the rest of 2022. And so if you got started with us last week, fantastic. If you were not here, then you get to be part of 14 days of prayer. And um, so you get seven days knocked off and you get all the benefits. So it's awesome. Awesome, awesome. If, um, uh, I would just want to encourage you to begin tomorrow morning finding a place to pray, a place to read your word and begin to just dedicate the first part of your year, your life to God, seeking Him and believing that He will bless you as you do that. So I, um, uh, my, my sermon's titled, by the way, today is A Way to Pray. And the reason is, is I felt like it's important for me to teach this because several years ago, I heard a sermon about prayer and taking time to pray. And I thought, well, I want to do that. I want to, you know, apply the message in my life. And so they taught us, you know, to prioritize prayer. And so I decided I was going to take 30 days and pray for one hour in the morning as a, you know, get started with this thing. And, and so I um, I gathered my stuff together for the next morning so I could pray. I, this was back in 1995, by the way, so way back. Um, so I had my CD player. Um, I was ready. I had my wow worship CD. Do we have any people from back in the day that remember? How about the song about delirious saying that, what was it called? Did you, did you feel the, the mountains tremble? And did you hear the ocean roar? I mean, oh my gosh, that was my jam. So I don't know about your jam, but that was, it back in the day, man. We love that Wow Worship CD. A matter of fact, um, any worship teams here, I just throw out a challenge to you. You bring that song back one time and I'll run a lap for us in here. It'll be fantastic. So um, yeah, <laughs> we'll see what happens. All right. But listen, so that morning I got up and I had my, my CD player and I had my Bible. And, and so I I read about five minutes, I was going to have this hour prayer. So I, you know, I found a scripture, my kind of my verse of the day and I read it and loved it and then I listened to delirious and, you know, saying about the mountains and the people of God rising up to sing about our risen Christ. And, you know, it was amazing. Worship took about five minutes. And, and so then I thought, okay, I have, you know, like 50 minutes to pray. And, and so I prayed for like four minutes and I was done. (laughs) I'd prayed about everything I knew to pray about. I prayed for my family, my job and, you know, my health. And, and I was done. I was like, You know, I was like, man, what am I supposed to do for the next, you know, 45 minutes here, you know? And so, because I didn't have a way to pray. I didn't know what to do other than just, you know, hey, God, help me with this. And um, so I thought, well, I'll just meditate now for the next 45 minutes. And so what happened was I slept for the next 45 (laughs) minutes. Wake up and I was like, aha, you know, it felt pretty good. I patted myself on the back for that hour of prayer. But I came to realize, and maybe some of you are like me, that... Just telling someone to go pray is not enough. Like, I need some help. I need some instructions. I need a way to pray. And so today we're going to give you a way to pray. And I'm going to go back to the Old Testament. There's a a pattern of prayer called the tabernacle prayer. And um, so I want to teach this tabernacle prayer today. If you're a note taker, get ready. I've got notes galore for you. Um, if you're not a note taker, then um, you can go back and listen to it online. I have, a, I have a graphic at the very end of my message you can take a picture of with your phone and it'll summarize it all. But um, man, this stuff is so rich. It's deep, it's good. So hang on, it's going to be great. So the tabernacle prayer model starts with this verse in Exodus 25, eight, and it says, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. Now, let me just pause there for a moment and and give you the heart of God. His heart is to meet with you. He wants to have a sanctuary. He wants to meet with you and be with you. He loves you, he cares about you. It's his desire to meet personally with his children. And so he said to the Israelites, he said, build a sanctuary so that I can live among them. You know, the, the main purpose of prayer is so that when you finish, you come out of that and say, I met with God. I mean, that's the that's the heart of it. I wanna be able to come out of my prayer time and Harry says, well, how was it? And I wanna say, well, I, I met with God and that's all I need. I mean, like if I can meet with God. And so that's what his heart was that for his people to meet with them. So he said, you must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern that I will show you. So pattern. So there's a pattern that he had the Israelites set up this tabernacle that gave them a way to come into the presence of God. Now, just so you'll know, this is a season of time that the Israelites were between their, their freedom from Egypt and before the promised land. So they were in the desert for 40 years and they called this church they set up a tabernacle. It was a portable church because God would often move by cloud and by fire and the Israelites would pack everything up and go to the next spot and then they would unpack their church. So they had portable church. So what we do here is so biblical. Um, we are portable church. And so we're just doing the Bible thing. So if you're like, hey man, when are you gonna get your own building? I'm like, well, it's okay. We're just doing what the, the Bible taught us to do. So nonetheless, a pattern. So let me show you though, what it might have looked like and so what you see is this, this temporary, this portable church they built, the tabernacle. And you can see the outer walls. They had pipe and drape, just like you and I. We have, they had pipe and drape up. Theirs was white, ours is black. Um, so at the front of the pipe and drape there, there was a gate. Um, and so that was what it probably looked like. The Israelites lived all around it. And, um, and so that was the place. So I want to give you another graphic, though, and, and give you a kind of an inside view of what we were looking at of this tabernacle. So on the far east side is the entrance gate. And that was the place where the priest entered in to the outer courtyard of this this tabernacle. And so they started there at the gate. Now, when we go through our seven steps in just a minute, we're gonna start at the gate. I'm gonna teach you that that's the first place you start in your prayer time is at the gate. The priest then went to the altar of burnt offerings. So there were sacrifices made for sin there. The priest then went into the, to the place called the, the bronze uh, laver there. And so that was the next station. So we're at step three that we'll go through. Then he went into the tent, and they called the tent inside the holy place. And that was the holy place inside the tent. And so on the left side was a golden lampstand, on the top right side was the table of showbread. Then directly in front is what they called the altar of incense and they burned incense to the Lord. And so then there was this divider between that area and the inside area. And that next portion, the divider was made up of like a veil or some kind of a um, a curtain that separated those two areas. Inside that area, they called it the Holy of Holies. And that's where the the Ark of the Covenant rested there. And on the Ark of the Covenant were two cherubims that were there and God's presence was there. And so the process for the priest was to go through all of these steps to come into the presence of God. And so I wanna lead us through seven steps that can bring you into a place where you are meeting with God. Now, I want to recognize that the Old Testament has been completely fulfilled through Jesus Christ and you are not required to go through any steps because Jesus made a way for us to get to God. But sometimes I think we shortcut the process and almost lose the sense of awe of really that we're talking to the God of gods. And this seven step process I think puts back the awe in our prayer time and brings us to a place of appreciation that we get to meet with God, amen? So we want to start first at the gate. And so my notes say this, I give God thanks and praise at the gate. The book of Psalms 104 says it like this. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. And so this verse is referring to this gate on the outer of the tabernacle. it says, enter the gates with thanksgiving and go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Now, I wanna just give you a quick glimpse of Old Testament, New Testament for just a moment because the the Bible is describing here of entering in the gates to go into the courtyard as the first step to the process of coming to be in God's presence. In the New Testament, Jesus said this about himself. He said in John 10 9, he said, I am the gate. Now, listen, when he said that, he's speaking to people that understood the context of the tabernacle, and he said, I am the gate. And suddenly, all of those people in that culture understood he's saying that through Jesus Christ, you can enter into the presence of God. Now, for them, some of them were challenged by that, but we know Jesus to be our savior because he said, I am the gate. And I want to declare to you today that Jesus made a gracious way to come unto the presence of our heavenly father when we believe in him as our Lord and Savior. Amen, church? Amen. 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 That's great clap time. So when we know Jesus Christ, we have this sense of thanksgiving and praise that's already inside of us because we are so grateful for what he has done in our life. And so I want to give you the five things that you can be uh, full of thanks and full of praise for Jesus Christ in your life. And we take it out of the book of Psalms and it says, Praise the Lord, my soul, and all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and I love this forget not all his benefits. In other words, remember what Christ has done for you. So then this verse gives us five things that you can write down and know this is what Christ has done for you. He has forgiven my sins and heals my diseases. He redeems my life from the pit. He crowns me with love and compassion. He satisfies my desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like eagles. So in this first step of your prayer, so when you get started tomorrow morning and you decide to take this prayer model and you come to this place of thanksgiving and praise, I'll share with you the way I kind of summarize these five things. So look on the screen what it says. So here's the way I like to summarize that verse. And I get to my prayer time and I say, God, you are my salvation and I thank you and I praise you. God, you are my healer and I thank you and I praise you. God, you have redeemed me. Now in the scripture, it said that that he has redeemed us from the pit, you remember that? He redeemed us from the pit. So what redeem is saying is that your life was in the pit and Jesus came and got you out of it, right? And so he turned your life around. Without Jesus Christ, you were headed in the wrong direction. Now that he saved you, you're turned in the right direction and he has redeemed your life and saved you from staying in the pit. That's worth praising him for. I don't know about you, but I know my life, if it hadn't been for Jesus, I would be in the pit and I don't want to be in the pit. Amen. So I thank him for that. He says, you have chosen me. This is where it says he's crowned me with love and compassion. He has crowned you. And what I like about that is I believe that, that God has picked us. He, he chose us. He, he put his kingly crown on us and he said, you are my child. I have adopted you into my kingly family and I'm placing my love and my compassion on you. And so I love to get to this part in my prayer time because I said, God, you picked me. You picked me. You love me. Like I never have to worry about being an outsider in God's kingdom because the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, he said, Tim, I choose you. And I want you to know he chooses anybody that says yes to Jesus Christ. He chooses you. He loves you. He's crowned you. You get to live that crowned kingly life through him. He's chosen you. And then last, I get in my prayer time and I was, Lord, thank you for blessing me. Every blessing, every good thing is from heaven above. And I thank you. Listen, when you go through that and you get into your prayer closet and you're by yourself and you're like, you go through all of that, and if you can't praise God, woo, you gotta get a you gotta get a new revelation. But listen, we're all together and we know that he has done these things through it for us and through Jesus Christ. I think we can take a little 10 second prayer praise break and just say, Thank you, Jesus. He has saved me, he has healed me, he has redeemed me, he's chosen me, he's blessed me. Amen. All right, so that's your first step in prayer. Have some praise and some thanksgiving time. And then the priest, he then made it to the brazen altar. So for you and I, we want to focus on the cross at this point. The brazen altar was a place where the animals were sacrificed for sin. And it was necessary for there to be a sacrifice of an animal to to take away the sin because no one can enter God's presence with sin. And we have to have that sin taken away and only blood can take care of sin. And so the animals were sacrificed. Their their blood was shed. And in essence, what the priest was doing is he's saying the sin that is in me I deserve the punishment. I deserve the death. But because God has made a way, I I transfer my sin into an animal. He dies on my behalf so that I am completely free and forgiven. Amen? And so the priest pauses there and probably ponders the fact that that if it weren't for his sin, this, this animal would be alive. So for you and I, the brazen altar isn't the sacrifice of an animal, but it's a cross that Jesus went to for us. And he died on the cross. And for you and I, we can say, God, my sin is upon Jesus. He died, he shed his blood for me so that I can be forgiven. When you get to that point in your prayer life, you say, God, thank you for forgiving me. And what I began to do is say, God, if there's anything in me that dishonors your cross and the work that you did, God, would you forgive me? I want to be pure before you, God. I want to live for you. So when you get to this stage, just begin to say, God, thank you for the cross. Thank you for forgiving me. You did for me what I couldn't do for myself. I want to remind you, too, that on Sunday morning, we take communion every Sunday here. If you're new to us, it may be something, a, a new practice, and we have these tables in the back corner, and I kind of think of it in terms of how we're thinking about this process of moving to God because you enter his gates with praise and thanksgiving. And so we begin our services with praise and thanksgiving. And then we come to this point of prayer and you can go to this communion table and on the table is the bread and the juice that represents Jesus's body that was broken and shed for us. And so kind of in a, in a way, that table is like the brazen altar for us. And you can go there and have a holy moment. And you can take those elements back to your seat with your family. And you can say, thank you, Jesus, that you died for my sins. And you can appreciate him through communion. Amen. And so I just want to remind you to take communion every week. It's so powerful to do that. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, 7 and 8, it says, in him, Jesus, we have redemption, salvation through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. So in your prayer time, step one, you want to give thanksgiving to God. Step two, you you go to the the, um, the brazen altar and you thank God for your forgiveness. And you say, God, I just, I want to live pure for you. The next step, the priest would go to this thing called the laver, which was a, a wash basin. It was a, a bowl and it was filled with pure water and the priest would wash his hands and his feet there. And the, the reason the priest did that was that he was in essence, washing himself to make himself righteous before God. Uh, he was um, washing himself in order to be holy before God. It was a practice of, of setting himself aside to be holy before God. So um, in the Old Testament, often they would take instruments that they would use in the temple. So either candlesticks or they would have um, some sort of a, a wash basin or something like that. And, and they didn't want it to be just any old you know, instrument, any old piece of furniture. And so they would, they would wash it and they would anoint it and they would say, this is now holy and able to be used in God's, you know, for God's use in the temple. And so that was a practice of washing, anointing to make it holy, to be used for God's service for how he wanted to use it. So the priest was washing himself, anointing himself so that he could be used for God's purpose. So when you and I get to this point, we offer all of my life to God for him to use us in any way he wants to use us. And so when you get to this stage of your prayer time, so now you've thanked God and you've, you've kind of had a moment of your you know remembering the cross, and, and then you get to this place and you say, God... I, I, want to, um, I want my life to be used for you. I, I want to give you my life and, and I want all of my, my body and all of my thoughts and, and all of my ways to be used for your kingdom. And so the Bible says this in, in Romans 12:1 when we think about us as, as you know, offering our life to God. It says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God, and that's true worship. And so when I got to this point in my prayer time this week, and by the way, I did this all week long just to prep for this message, just to, to practice and put it into play and see how it works. And, and I got to this part. And so I was thinking about my body and how can I offer that to God? And so I, I went through a little practice. I said, God, I give you my mouth today that I would speak what only you want me to speak. I give you my eyes today, God, that I would only look upon the things that you want me to look upon today. God, I give you uh, my ears, God, to hear your voice today so I can be led by you today. Um, God, I give you my money today to be used for the kingdom of God. God, I give you my entire day that I can, I can you know, serve you in some capacity today. God, I give you my hands today so that I can serve someone today. And like, I want my life to, to matter for God and do the kingdom work for God. And so when I get to this part of God, you've set me aside for a holy purpose. My life has purpose. Your life has purpose. And if you'll give it to him and say, God, use me today, he'll do just that. He'll show you what to do. Amen? So great. All right, so now we've been at the, uh, we, we've been now at the labor. And so the priest then enters into the tent. And at the tent is the candlestick. And that's his first place inside the, the holy place. And this is where we ask the Holy Spirit to, to fill us. And, and so just kind of understanding that the, the priest, when he walked into the tent... The only light that was illuminating in there was from the, the fire, the, the, the candles. And, and so the, the role of the priest was to always keep the candle burning. And so there was a little, a little thing of oil below the candles that, that kept the candles burning. And so the priest would come into that spot And they would fill the the oil can, the oil container, twice a day. They would fill it with oil and fill it with oil. Every day they had to refill that, that flame. They had to refill that so it would keep burning. And so when we think of that, we think about the flame of the Holy Spirit in our life. And the oil is the anointing. And it's appropriate just as the priest would continue to refill that oil to keep the fire burning. We want to invite the Holy Spirit to refill us every day to keep his spirit just burning on, you know, for inside of us so that we can be led and filled by his spirit. So the Bible give us reference to these two uh, types of understanding about the, the fire and the oil and Matthew three eleven says that Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And I have found my servant. This is uh, Psalms 89, 20. I found my servant, David. I have anointed him with holy oil. And so the priest would, would, you know, attend to that. And so when you get to this place of your prayer, you begin to say, Holy Spirit, would you fill me up? Um, would, you, would you give me your strength today? Would you help me at work today? Would you help me be... A, a great teacher today. Would you help me in in whatever you've called me to today? I mean, we just asked God to use us. Now, God, give me your power to work through me. Give me your your presence that will lead me today. Holy Spirit, fill me up. The Bible teaches us that that we need his strength in our life. The Bible says in Zechariah 4, 6, not by might nor power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Listen, I, I'm, I feel like at times I'm kind of strong, but Never am I strong enough for all God's called me to. I need the power of God in my life. You need the power of God in your life. And if you'll take that morning time and say, God, fill me with your spirit, and you begin to depend on his Holy Spirit, he'll just turn his flame on inside of you up and you'll be led by his power and might. Amen? All right, so the priest, they've been at the candle now, and he goes over to the showbread and, uh, and by the way, it is spelled both ways in Scripture with an E or an O. So if you see them on the screen, we haven't misspelled it. Um, you can spell showbread either way. So the table of showbread is where we read God's Word. So the priest then would go over to this, this table and it had the bread on it. And the bread was a reminder to the priest of the manna that God was feeding them. And he would get to that table that table. And he would say, God, thank you that you provide. Thank you that you have always been here and you've always been faithful. And he would begin to allow himself to remember how faithful and how good God has been to the Israelites. And what he was doing is he was having his faith built by remembering the faithfulness of God. And so he would be at that table knowing that, that God always is for them. God is always for you. And he understood the promises of God were fulfilled through, God, through him and through, through what he was doing in their life. And so for you and I, that was the Old Testament. They would eat of the bread. For you and I, we get our faith built through the word of God. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. Jesus, when he was being tempted, he responded to the enemy and he said, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone. Listen, even in that moment, Jesus was referencing bread and saying that under the old covenant, it was the bread that sustained them. But he's like, that's not what sustains us today. It's the word, the revelation of who Jesus Christ is in your life. That is what feeds you and sustains you in your life. It's the word of God, amen? So at that point, it's just great to open your word and read, find some promises of God and let your faith be built on his word And so that's that next station five, next point. Amen. All right, so the priest, he's been busy, right? I mean, think about what he's been through. He's been through the gate. He's praised God. He's been to the altar and appreciating uh, for him. He was appreciating the the sacrifices made for us. It was Jesus. Uh, He then, uh, he (coughs) went to the the bowl and cleansed. He was righteous. He was set apart for God's purposes. Uh, Now he's been to the candle. Now he's been to the bread. and, And so finally he gets to this, Incense, and incense is is I mean you know what incense is I guess but it's a it's an aroma that is is pleasing to God and and in some way when you the the, the incense was burned it uh, it, it pleased God it, it drew His attention to to that moment and and so they would go out so the priest had to go out to the outer court and get coals from the altar and only those coals could be used to stoke the fires of the incense. And so when the priest got there, he would would heat that up and that incense would go up to God. It must have smelled good to God. Do you ever have a place that you go to that smells good? Um, I love to go to Ace Hardware. I love Ace Hardware. I just walk around. It's something about, it smells like wood and fertilizer mixed together. I don't know, it it smells good. So I'm like... I love it. You know, that it draws me in. I go by Ace Hardware. I don't need anything, but I'll just go in there to smell it. I just like it. Um, you know, some stores do that. I think Abercrombie has their own little smell they put in there. Um, anthropology does. I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you. But, but I know Ace Hardware does. So I like theirs. So, but um, bed, you know, bath and beyond or body, I don't know. But, you know, there's a smell. And, um, and so the Bible says that that's what, that's what attracts God to that, to that incense. Now, that was then, now in the New Testament, we understand based on scripture, it says in Psalm 141 one two, it says, accept my prayer as incense offered to you. In Revelation 8, 3, it says another angel with a gold incense burner came and stood at the altar and a great amount of incense was given to him to mix with the prayers of God's people as an offering. So prayers. And so at this point in your prayer time, you begin to say, God, these are my needs. You meet my needs. I have needs in my life And, and I begin to pray and I say, God, Uh, whatever, you know, is in my life, I just pray. I've got my little journal and I I have things that I've written down and I pray over those things and pray over those things. And and I spend some time in prayer there. And it's a special time because I don't just start out, you know, like sometimes when I used to pray, I would start out right there. Lord, I have needs. Now there's this process of, of kind of reverence of coming to God. And I don't, it just feels special. All right. So finishing up here, the seventh point, the seventh place that the that the uh, priest went in. And so at this point he had already been through all the six and there's this this veil, this curtain that was separating him from the presence of God. And at that point he would he would open that that curtain and he would step into the presence of God. And it was an extremely holy moment. And in that in that time in the Old Testament, there was fear around that because anyone that went into God's presence, if there was any sin in their life, they would instantly die in God's presence. And so there's, there's a story that's been told. It's not in the Bible, but I read it in, in other texts that kind of co- collaborate this. But um, it said that when the priest would go into that holy of holy place, that they would tie a rope around his ankle and that rope would go all the way back outside the tent. And they also tied a bell to his side. And so while he was in the holy of holy place, that, that bell would ring, meaning he was fine. But if the bell ever quit ringing, they assumed that he died in the presence of God. And so then they would pull that rope and they'd drag him back out because nobody wanted to go in there um, because it was such a, a holy space. But there was a fear. In, in their day in the Old Testament, they feared God because they didn't have personal relationship with God. And so it was wrapped around their fear and of obedience to God and sacrificing to God. And so the priest would only go into that holy of holies in the presence of God once a year. And it was the most sacred day of the Israelites. And, and so all that. So just picture this moment, though, where they would open that veil and wonder, is it going to be okay? And so now that was then. But I want you to think of today. Because we know that when Jesus died on the cross, the massive veil that was erected at the temple was completely ripped apart. And now because of Jesus, every believer has full access to the very presence of God. And we don't approach God with fear. We approach him with awe. And and we we approach him with knowing the grace of God is on us. And we never worry that he's going to, smite us down and he's going to you know, kill us in any way. He's there to, to love us and to he's crowned us with his love and compassion. The Bible says that when Jesus had cried out in a loud voice that he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom. Just the, the imagery of that can you imagine that day when Jesus died in the temple and this huge veil is ripped in half and suddenly the presence of God was exposed for all to be a part of? Um, you know, it was it was just absolute, you know, horror for the priests because they didn't understand that Jesus was the gate. He was the way for people to come to know, to know God as their Savior. But we know him that way. And we get the privilege of coming into his presence. So when I was praying and I'd been through these steps and, and I got to this point in my prayer and, and honestly, it became a, a kind of a, a holy moment for me. And I, I, I had kind of gone through a process and, and I pictured myself, you know, just walking into God's presence. And it was, it was really amazing. And I, I felt his presence on me and and I began to worship. Honestly, that was my first response to that. There was, it was his love on me, but I was just like, God, I'm, I'm in awe, not fear, but I'm just amazed that I get to be with, with God. And as I sat in his presence for a little bit, I began to, to want other people to experience what I was experiencing. When the priest in that old covenant, they went in once a year, their role was to intercede for the Israelites on behalf of them and pray for others. And so when I was there, I began to think, well, God, I want, I want people to know what I'm knowing. I want people to experience and encounter God's presence like I am. And I began to pray for the lost. I began to pray for people that don't know God, that they're far from God. And I was thinking about, the people that I, I, you know, work out in the gym. And I'm like, there are people there that don't know God. And, And I was in God's presence. I'm like, God, I want them to know this. I want them to be able to have that same experience of Jesus as the gate. And they have an eruption of praise and worship in their life because they understand that through Jesus Christ that their sins are forgiven and they've been healed and they've been redeemed and they've been chosen and they've been blessed by God. I want other people to know that God. And so I began to pray for some people that I know that are far from God. And then I was thinking, but I want them to also understand that Jesus Christ, he paid for it all at the cross and he died for our sins. And I want them to receive Jesus as their Savior and so I was praying God help them help me to make a difference in their life and Lord in some way bring them to the cross so they can appreciate it God and then God when they get here I pray that next they would experience what I'm experiencing, a sense of purpose in you, a sense that my life matters because I have been set apart. I have a I have a holy calling. You have a holy calling. We have purpose. And everybody needs to know they have purpose in life and their life matters. And God put you here. You know, you have, I mean, you, you've been saved for eternity, but you're here on earth because you have a purpose and people need to know the purpose. And Lord, I was in that prayer time I'm like God, people need to know that. And then God, I, I want people to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that they have your power in them, They're, your strength to help them through, God. Would you would You show me someone I can reach? And Lord, I pray and I intercede for these people. And God, then I want them to know your word, to know the promises. And God, there's so many promises in your word, God. Would you help me to show them those promises? Lord, reveal it to them in some way. And God, listen, there are people that are hurting that never have a chance to come to the, the altar of in sense and say, God, I am weak. I need you today. God, I'm hurting. Would you give me peace today? There are people that are in so much stress and so much pain in life and they have nowhere to put it. They, they chase everything else. And the answer is at that place of prayer, God, would you meet my needs? And I want people to know that stuff. I want people to find real help in life. Like, I don't want people to walk around and just go, I'm helpless, I'm hopeless. Like, there is so much hope. And I'm in my prayer room, and I'm like, Lord, how can you do this? How can you use me to do this? And he said, then just begin right here in prayer and lift them up and pray. And God says, I'll make a way. Man, I had a prayer time. I had prayer. And listen, if you're looking for a way to pray, and that's a model. And you walk through those steps and you'll just be blown away at the things that God reveals and does in your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me put this on the screen for you to look at. This is the, the steps. Maybe if you have your, your phone out, you can take a picture of that and um, you can use that as your prayer model for a while. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Awesome. Well, listen, I want to close today with an invitation. I was in my prayer room praying knowing I was approaching Sunday and at the end of our services, we give invitations for people to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I prayed. I said, Lord, there's a a possibility there will be people here that do not know you. And so I prayed. And so If you're here and you've never met Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know I prayed for you to be here today. I prayed for God to move on your life today. And it's not an accident that you're here. And so God wants to do for you what he's done for many of us in this room. We know that you are loved by God. He loves you. He cares about you. It's not based on anything you've done or haven't done. He loves you. God is love. We've all sinned. We've all missed the mark. We've all messed up. Nobody's been perfect. And it's that sin that is that thing that keeps us from God because we cannot go to God in sin. Christ died on the cross as the only payment for our sin. He was the one that went upon the brazen altar for you. In essence, when you believe on Jesus, you're saying, I place my my sin upon Jesus and he dies for me so that I can be forgiven and I can have a relationship with God. I can begin a brand new life in him. Our role is to accept it, believe on Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So would you bow your heads? And if you're here today and you've never begun a life, you've never been saved through Jesus and you want to do that today, Would you just lift your hand to me real high? God bless you, I see those hands. Is there anybody else? I don't wanna miss you. Awesome. Hey, let's all say this prayer together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me even when I didn't deserve it. Thank you for Jesus. He died for my sins. Would you forgive me today? And thank you for doing so. I accept Jesus. I believe in Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. Come on, let's give God a clap. Amazing, amazing.